Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, how genetically modified lettuce grown in space could protect astronauts' bones on long voyages. Plus, meet Doug, the false potatoes stripped of Guinness World Record glory in the 11th hour. And a two-carat diamond made out of ranch dressing, the Royal Mint in the United Kingdom is going to start recovering gold from the nation's electronic waste, and an important announcement at the end of the show. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. So I've talked before about the many effects of space on human bodies, especially the longer you spend there. According to NASA's Human Research Program, the main health risks result from space radiation, isolation and confinement, distance from Earth, gravity fields, and hostile-slash-closed environments. The radiation can increase risk of cancer, cataracts, heart disease, and other degenerative diseases. And the gravity fields and changes in weightlessness can cause issues with blood pressure, vision problems, an increased risk of developing kidney stones, and a loss of mineral density in bones. And unlike most of the aforementioned risks, that bone density loss is basically a guarantee. Quoting NASA, NASA has learned that without Earth's gravity affecting the human body, weight-bearing bones lose on average 1% to 1.5% of mineral density per month during spaceflight. End quote. And when you think about how long astronauts will spend in space when we attempt to go to Mars, those percentages each month start adding up. So figuring out how to mitigate that is a huge priority for international space agencies, and researchers at the University of California Davis College of Engineering might have the answer. Genetically modified lettuce. The lettuce could be grown in space, so the astronauts would have a steady supply, something that's been done for a long time and has been rapidly accelerating. Remember the chili peppers they enjoyed for Taco Tuesday on the International Space Station a few months back? Growing plants in space is a useful experiment to learn how certain species respond in extreme conditions, lending insights towards how they might behave in our changing climate Earthside, but are also useful in providing more nutrition and diversity to the astronauts' diets that otherwise consist of the same pre-packaged meals over and over again. And for long space flights, the more you can grow on the way, the less you have to pack to start, and that helps reduce the ever-delicate payload. But this genetically modified lettuce could tick all the boxes for growing extra food and helping prevent some of the health impacts of space travel. Quoting a press release from UC Davis, Our bones are constantly balanced between growth and resorption, allowing bones to respond to injury or changes in exercise. Spending time in microgravity disrupts this balance, tipping bones towards resorption so astronauts lose bone mass. This can be treated with a drug called parathyroid hormone, or PTH, but it requires regular injections. Kevin Yates, a grad student working with Professor Karen McDonald and adjunct professor Soman Nandy at the UC Davis Department of Chemical Engineering, developed a transgenic lettuce that expresses a fusion protein combining PTH with part of a human antibody protein. The fusion protein is designed to be stable in the bloodstream and to allow astronauts to potentially purify the drug from plant extracts, Nandy said. The team is evaluating the plants for how much of the drug they can produce, which leaves contain the most product, and the best time to harvest the leaves. End quote. 
Now, why not just bring the injectable form of PTH with them on the spacecraft? Well, again, there's the payload, but also medicines expire, so it might not last the entire months or years long trip. Instead, astronauts could carry transgenic plant seeds that they repeatedly grow and propagate to access the PTH, and also enjoy the lettuce as a rare, fresh produce option. The UC Davis team notes that ideally the astronauts would be able to get the PTH from just eating the lettuce leaves themselves, but experiments are ongoing, and if that doesn't quite work out, the astronauts would still be able to extract and purify the drug from the lettuce. And I wonder what else could be pumped into lettuce or other plants to benefit astronauts. It could be like a super pill that you can grow over and over again and eat as your dinner, instead of popping into your mouth on its own afterwards. It's like the opposite of what all the futurists in the 1950s thought that we would be doing by now. Instead of eating all of our meals in pill form, we're putting the active ingredients from pills into our meals. I kinda dig it. Last fall, New Zealand got a new local celebrity, Doug the Potato. The knobbly 17.4-pound potato was pictured on Facebook, dressed in hats and being carted around in a wagon by his parents, Donna and Colin Craig Brown, who found the Mondo specimen while tending to their garden. After attracting such attention online, the couple was encouraged to submit their starchy son to the Guinness World Records. The previous world record for largest potato was a measly 11 pounds, six and a half pounds less than Doug. The record holder, Peter Glazebrook, has 15 some odd world records for giant produce, and no one has bested his 11 pound potato since 2010. But last week, the Craig Browns got some crushing news from Guinness World Records. Doug is not a potato at all. After some skepticism from experts who saw Doug's photos and from Guinness themselves, the committee requested a small piece of Doug be sent for DNA analysis. This wasn't the first bit of Doug to be hacked off. When Colin Craig Brown first discovered Doug on accident in his garden, he was stumped by the garbage bin lid-sized object and cut off a small piece to examine. He even tasted it. The taste, interior appearance, and outside color and texture is what led Craig Brown to declare it a potato. Craig Brown, a farmer and the son of a horticulturalist, has never grown potatoes, so Doug's presence was fairly bewildering, but stranger things have happened in gardens. Still, when Guinness submitted the sample for DNA analysis, they unfortunately found that Doug was not a potato. What exactly Doug is? No one is entirely sure. Guinness, after consulting with experts, says Doug is, quote, the tuber of a type of gourd. End quote. Gourds are a rather large category in the cucurbitaceae family, containing squash, pumpkins, cucumbers, melons, and more, so it's still a pretty broad description of Doug, who, even for a gourd, is quite oddly shaped and pretty huge. As for how Doug came to be, quoting the New York Times, Chris Claridge, a horticulturalist and the chief executive of the industry group Potatoes New Zealand, which assisted in the DNA testing, described the growth as a kind of scar tissue on a wound, similar to the lumps sometimes seen on trees after a branch is removed. It could have had an infection, it could have had a disease, it could have just formed and grown as an accident of nature, he said, but it's not even the same family as the potato. 
And he added, put it this way, we're good at growing potatoes in New Zealand, but we're not that good, end quote. So Peter Glazebrook can rest easy that no one is coming for his potato record, but potato or not, Doug is still well-loved. And Craig Brown does have a theory for Doug's origin. He told the New York Times that he once grew hybridized cucumbers on the spot where he found Doug. Quote, During a hybridization process, who's to say they didn't crossbreed it with a gourd plant to give it tremendous disease resistance or prolific flowering? End quote. Even though Doug looks nothing at all like a cucumber, sprouting from the same spot where some hybridization of members of the cucurbitaceae family took place does make a ton of sense. For now, Craig Brown has put Doug into a cryogenic storage facility on his farm and reports that Doug is happy in there, quote, not phased at all. End quote. And back when he thought Doug was a potato, Craig Brown said that he might try making vodka out of him, which he may still try to do anyways. And with everything that he's learned from giant potato growing experts through this whole process, Craig Brown says that he might actually give growing actual giant potatoes a go now. So don't write off Doug's future cousins just yet. Earlier this month, I talked about the handful of startups that are using direct air capture to basically create diamonds out of carbon dioxide. Well, there was an even bigger diamond story that I missed at the time. Hidden Valley made a diamond out of ranch dressing. Hidden Valley, the creators of ranch dressing, made this announcement back on National Ranch Day, apparently a thing. Here's how the press release described it, quote, Destined to become a conversation piece, the two-carat, round, brilliant-cut diamond was expertly created by a professional diamond maker in a lab by heating Hidden Valley Ranch seasoning to 2,500 degrees and then crushing the output beneath 400 tons of pressure, taking five months total to create. After being polished to perfection, the eye-catching diamond was then set in a 14-carat white gold band with HVR Lover engraved on the inside. Last year, when one of our custom Valentine's Day bottles was used in a marriage proposal, we were inspired, said Deb Crandall, marketing director at Hidden Valley Ranch. We saw a love of ranch become a part of one of life's most beautiful moments, and it made us wonder, how can we make this act of love even more memorable? End quote. Hidden Valley is no stranger to stunts like this. The AV Club reminds us that five years ago, they unveiled a five-liter keg of ranch dressing and previously sold a ranch dressing fountain. Hidden Valley has also marketed small packets of ranch dressing as giveaways for trick-or-treaters, and last November, I also shared their Ranch Nog kit for turning eggnog into an unholy ranch cocktail. To be fair, that kit, as well as all of their weird merchandise, really is super well-designed. The Ranch Nog kit came with two glass Irish coffee mugs and a stainless steel jigger. They've got a whole line of sweatshirts, button-downs, and even luggage that, if you forget the joke of them being decorated with ranch, are pretty tasteful. And while most of their items are pretty reasonably priced, even the fountain was only $110, the Carrots and Ranch Diamond was ultimately auctioned off for $12,550. All proceeds went to Feeding America, who says that each dollar provides at least 10 meals. So not only did someone get a really cool ring, but Feeding America can now provide 125,500 
provide more meals to people in need, and we can only hope that some of them include ample ranch dressing. Well, in yet another story today of something being made from something that it is not, the United Kingdom has just announced that their Royal Mint is building a first-of-its-kind plant that will be recovering gold from electronic waste, quoting the Royal Mint. The Royal Mint is using patented new chemistry created by Canadian-based Exer to recover gold within the circuit boards of laptops and mobile phones. The unique chemistry is capable of recovering over 99% of the precious metals contained within electronic waste, selectively targeting the metal in seconds. Construction of the plant begins this month and it'll be located within the Royal Mint's highly secure site to provide a stream of gold directly into the business. When fully operational in 2023, the Royal Mint expects to process up to 90 tons of UK-sourced circuit boards per week, generating hundreds of kilograms of gold per year. Each year, more than 50 million tons of electronic waste is produced globally, with less than 20% currently being recycled. If nothing is done, this is set to reach 74 million tons by 2030. Instead of electronic waste leaving UK shores to be processed at high temperatures and smelters, the approach will see precious metals recovered at room temperature at the Royal Mint's plant in South Wales. Embracing the principles of a circular economy, the plant will be able to process the entire circuit board, preserving natural resources for longer, helping to reduce the environmental impact of electronic waste, and fostering new skills and employment in the UK. End quote. Now, this is kind of similar to the medals at the Tokyo Olympics, which were also made out of electronic waste, in that case specifically donated for the cause. But rather than a one-off stunt, this will be an ongoing and hopefully growing practice, with the gold, at least, going directly back to the Royal Mint itself. Back in October, when the UK first announced their partnership with Exer, they said they might also recover copper, silver, and palladium from the electronics, but the most recent announcement did not mention those just yet. And from CNBC, quote, The Global E-Waste Monitor 2020 report said e-waste contained harmful substances, including mercury, hydrochlorofluorocarbons, chlorofluorocarbons, and brominated flame retardants. As concerns about the environment and sustainability mount, companies like Exer are looking to roll out and monetize techniques focused on the recycling and repurposing of e-waste. Others include New Zealand-based Mint Innovation. In 2020, Ollie Crush, the company's chief scientific officer, told CNBC that it had developed a biological process for recovering valuable metals from weird and wonderful feedstocks such as electronic waste. Crush explained that Mint Innovation's system involved taking scrap metal and grinding it up into a sand-like consistency. The reason we do this is that we need to make sure that we're exposing all the metal contained within to a subsequent chemical leaching process, he added, end quote. These kinds of initiatives are definitely needed right now, and I'm particularly intrigued by the UK's model of running the program through their federal mint. I will definitely be curious to see some reports on how it turns out in a few years years.
So, a bit of an announcement. This won't be a huge surprise to anyone who's been listening to this show from the very beginning, but we are going to be changing the name of the show once again. Basically, we just want to make it easier for people to be able to discover the show, easier to remember. So, in a few days, this show will officially become the Cool Stuff Ride Home, emphasizing how the show is some cool stuff to learn and listen to on your ride home from work or school or wherever at the end of the day. You won't need to resubscribe or anything like that. The name and logo will change, though, so if you sort your podcasts alphabetically, you may need to check under C instead of K, but other than that, it'll be the same show it's always been, just a little easier for you to recommend to your friends. So, cool stuff, ride home, name change coming in a few days, basically whenever all the podcast apps change over. Those can sometimes take different amounts of time to update. But, yeah, new name, same basic show, same gratitude that I have to all of you who listen and share the show every day. And that's going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.